Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. We're going to start a new series uh, as we walk through uh, the Gospel of Mark together. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about, about starting this. And, and it's, we're going to be here for a while, so just no... <laughs> No hiding that fact, but um, we're going to just be able to, to see um, the, the person of Jesus Christ come alive through the stories of Scripture. And so I'm really excited for us to, to begin this um, as we see um, Jesus calling people to follow him through the, the journey in the Gospel of Mark. And that's one of the common threads here, as, as it's, a, it's a book with some intentionality. Uh, the, the first Gospel actually written is, is the Gospel of Mark. And, and it's, it, it's, it's got a different feel than the other ones. There's some urgency in the gospel. In fact, Mark uses uh, the word immediately, immediately, 41 times throughout the book. And, and so in this shorter gospel, the 16 chapters, he, he has some urgency to his storytelling. In fact, you'll see a lot of times some of the stories are, are a little bit condensed. And so his perspective is a little different. And, and the writer of, of Mark, John Mark, was actually um, kind of writing from, from the source of, of Peter. Uh, and, and so he's getting these stories and understanding from, from the um, apostles. And, and he writes these, this account of the life of Christ. And, and what's really great about this book is that um, he, he's writing to the Gentiles. He's writing to believers in Rome. Uh, and, and those that, that for the hopes of, of them becoming believers. And Rome is a, a place where um, believers are being persecuted for their faith. So there's a lot of encouragement in this book. There's a lot of, of just giving us some full understanding of what Jesus has accomplished. And so it's establishing their faith and, and their understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what the gospel means to their lives. So there's so much for us to, to pull away or pull out of this book and, and having an understanding of who Jesus is and how Jesus applies to our life. We see these things, that, that the, the book is written to, to the Gentiles, it's written to these people, and it's written from a perspective that's a little bit different than the other Gospels. Um, and so it, it doesn't begin like the other Gospels with, um, with some backstory. He just kind of jumps right into the ministry of Jesus. And Mark has a, uh, uh, an understanding, he kind of bookends his, his story with a beginning saying, this is who Jesus is as the Son of God. And then Jesus being crucified, and as the soldier looking up and saying, well, this must truly be the Son of God. And, and what Mark is doing in this kind of bookending of, of who this is, is he's, he's letting us know that this person, this Messiah, the one that they, from the Old Testament to now, have been looking for this coming Messiah, is Jesus. This is who he is. The person has come. And, and all through the story in the book of Mark, he's establishing the reality of that, that this is true, that he is the Messiah. And at the end of the book, as he is, he is crucified and, and accomplishing all that he accomplishes on the cross for people, um, for mankind in, in salvation, um, he, he again establishes that the, only the true Son of God could accomplish these things for us. And so it's an important theme that runs throughout this book. Today, we're just going to kind of um, look at the, the introduction of it. We're going to see some important things in the first 13 verses. 
uh, as, as we, as we kind of walk through this. And he starts with, with John, as John is sent to prepare the way of the Lord. And starting in Mark 1, verse 1, let's read together. The Word of God says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and of all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, and he wore leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at this uh, just beginning of the book of Mark, of your gospel, would help us to, to see the, the bigger picture here, God, of, of who you are as, as, as the coming Messiah. Lord, as, as so much of your words is just proclaiming that you are the Son of God, just over and over with these words, Lord, I just pray that in our hearts and minds, Lord, that we will be people who proclaim that truth, that you are the Son of God, that you are the saving one, that you are the Lord of our lives. Lord, speak through your word today, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look just quickly at, at three different things, three different aspects. And, and I know you kind of look at this, and you're like, what do these stories have in common? We've got John here who's sent to prepare the way. You've got Jesus' baptism. Um, you've got his temptation. And, and if you looked in the other Gospels, there's a lot of detail to the baptism and, and the temptation of Jesus. And here John just kind of, or Mark just kind of briefly hits on these things. And what he's, he's doing is, is really just establishing that introduction of the book. There's a, a, a reason and a purpose for this. And that purpose that runs through these verses is that we're proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God. All of these moments are pointing us to that central theme. Because that is of utmost importance for us to understand is that Jesus is who he says he is. That, that this person, Jesus, I mean, you've got to put yourself in their, their timeline. Um, they are waiting a, a coming Messiah. They're looking for a conquering king. They're not even fully understanding all that the Old Testament was prophesying. And here's John, and he's there uh, as, as the one that, that the Old Testament tells us he is, and he's preparing the way of the Lord, and he's preaching a king and a kingdom and he's preaching of a Jesus who is coming to be the Savior of mankind, this Messiah that had been prophesied. And so it's so important for us to understand in the very beginning of ministry, because all the stories and all the things are going to be about us having a better understanding and view of who Jesus is as the Son of God. It says, 
in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah and the prophets, Behold, I send a messenger before your face. Um, in this first part, we see that, that John is preparing the way of the Lord. He prepares the way. We're going to see that the people respond, and we're going to see that Jesus is proclaimed, but John prepares the way. In Isaiah 43, it says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Malachi 3, it says, 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, and behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. We see that, that John is, is the one that's been prophesied about to come before the Lord and preach. There's a purpose in his coming. He fulfills the prophecies of the Old Testament, and, and, he, and he prepares the way of the Lord by starting in verse 4 by preaching the coming gospel, that preaching repentance and forgiveness of sin. His purpose was that he was going to preach um, he's going to preach about what Jesus was coming to accomplish, to repent of your sins and turn away from that. Um, he was preaching to a Gentile people to, to give them understanding that they can have an opportunity to have a relationship with God through this coming Savior, Jesus. And so he prepares the way by fulfilling the prophecy, by preaching repentance. In verse 4 it says, And John appeared, baptizing them in the wilderness, proclaiming, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. This is about the people repenting of their sin. Um, it, the baptism is not a, a baptism of salvation. It was a, 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 an understanding that it was, it was a, a ceremonial or, or, or really a shadow of what was to come, but in, in their mindset, it was this cleansing that was happening of, of being purified from their sins, of being forgiven from their sins. It wasn't through the baptism that there was any power, but it was the repentance and of the turning to God. It was the, the part that says that they were confessing their sins. This was the message of the gospel. In fact, verse 1 says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This was, this was what John was sent to do, was to begin to preach the message to prepare the way for Jesus. In, in all that he does in preaching um, and in preparing the way, and there's so many more verses in Scripture you can have deeper understanding if you go um, to the other gospels and read about the ministry of John. But here, he's, he's trying to get us to understand that central theme, that he's preparing the way of the Lord for the Son of God to exalt the Messiah. And it actually, in verse 6 and, and 7 and 8, it, it, it kind of begins to, to shift towards that. And it talks about who John was. John was clothed in camel hair. He wore leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, a strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. All those things are, are John saying, I'm not the one. I'm not the, the one that the Old Testament and Isaiah that have been talking about that there will be this Savior coming. In fact, it says that he's clothed in camel hair and a leather belt, um, that, that he eats locusts and honey. The reason I, I believe that those things are included in there because it just shows uh, his humility, his humble state. Not that this was just out of crazy, out of character, 
but he wasn't coming as the Messiah. He was, he was not doing anything to be flashy. In fact, it says that this is what Elijah wore. In the Old Testament, 2 Kings 1, uh, chapter 1, you can read, and Elijah wore uh, a, a robe of, of, of camel hair and a leather belt, and he preached repentance to God's people. And this is, this is John where he finds himself. Um, he's, he's not eating these big meals. He's not making anything about him and his ministry. Everything he's doing is about Jesus. In fact, he says, hey, I've come. He said, but there's one who's, who's coming that's greater than me. He said, I'm not even worthy to do what in that day and age the, the lowliest of servants would do, and that's to take the shoes off the master. He said, I'm not even worthy of, of doing that. And so he's, he's showing his, his place here. He said, I'm just here to share Jesus, to tell you about the Savior that's coming, to, to exalt the name of Jesus. I, mean, I, I wish that we could just have that same kind of passion and desire. Of course, John has a very special purpose on his life, but um, it, it, not too indifferent from us that we're called to love Jesus and exalt Jesus and share Jesus, that, that we wouldn't get in the way. Sometimes I think uh, in ministry mindset that we can say, um, what can we do to... to to make people come in. What's the flashy big thing, the exciting thing that's going to draw people in? And John here is showing that he wasn't about those things. He wasn't about a lifestyle that says, I'm going to bring all the attention to me so that you will come in and see what I've got to say. No, it was constantly about who Jesus is. Preparing the way of Jesus was not that it was going to exalt John, but it was going to exalt the person of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm not worthy of this. He said, my baptism's with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's power in Jesus Christ and the one who is coming. So John prepares the way. The people respond. I love that in this story that they don't leave that out. That the people are responding to the message of God. That they're responding to the gospel. That's what happens when the gospel is preached. Lives are changed. People respond to what's going on. The gospel is full of the power of the Holy Spirit, and we have a privilege and calling on our lives to be people who proclaim the gospel, who exalt the name of Jesus, and let the power rely on that. And here we see that it's powerful and it's working. It says all of Judea and Jerusalem were coming to, to the wilderness. They were coming out to this um, man with long hair and camel hair and, and leather belt and eating locusts and honey in the wilderness because there was a powerful message that he was proclaiming. It was the gospel message. And people respond because God was working through this message. People respond because, because that's what they do, because the gospel speaks to the heart. Again, John wasn't doing anything special. He was just sharing Jesus. It, it reminds me of, in, in Scripture time and time again, when, especially in 1 Corinthians, where Paul says it's not about uh, we didn't come with plausible words of wisdom or this, this great speech or anything, but we just came to preach Christ and Him crucified so that when lives were being changed, it wouldn't reside in our words, but it would be by the power of God. That's what it would rely in. That's what we see here, that lives were changed by the power of God. People responded. Some commentators, many of them believe that there were over 300,000 when it talks about these areas that probably came out here at, at, at this time, 
300,000. And I don't know if that's an exact number, if that's blown way out, but they were a large number of people that came to John and were responding to his message because he was preaching the message of Jesus. He was preaching repentance and trusting in Jesus Christ. We see here, the last, the last thing we're going to look at, and the most important thing, is that um, this beginning to the book, all is proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God. All of these things are lining up to proclaim Jesus. We see in the very first um, passage, or the very first verse, it says, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So the writer proclaims from the very moment his pen touches the paper that this is about Jesus, about the Son of God. It says the good news of Jesus Christ, the beginning of the gospel, the good news. That, that, that's what he's establishing here, is that the one who is coming is coming to accomplish all those things. Go back and read Isaiah chapter 52, starting verse 13 through 53 in the end of that chapter. And you'll see this, this Savior that it's talking about that is coming to give his life, um, that's going to be beaten, that's going to be persecuted, and it's going to go through all these, this, this just brutality and things for your sins and for mine um, to accomplish the payment of sin and death. And he says, this is the beginning of that good news. The beginning of it is that Jesus has entered into this world. The whole passage here is about the wilderness. John's out in the wilderness. Um, he's baptized out in the wilderness. Jesus is, is tempted in the wilderness. The people are coming out to the wilderness from their places. That's significant in this moment because uh, I think it, it, it's just an example of what Jesus is coming into. He's not coming into this easy life. He's not coming, in, he's coming into our world, into our mess. You go back into Genesis, and it was a beautiful garden, and there was peace with God. And that was destroyed by sin. And because of that destruction, they're not out there in a garden. They're not sitting by the beach. They're in the wilderness. In the Old Testament, the wilderness was a place where, of punishment. The wilderness was a place of, of where the people of God were, were roaming, where they were lost for a period of time. And, and all of this, it talks about it, even this temptation. Jesus was there with the wild animals. Jesus is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is invading our space. He's coming in for our good. He's coming into the wilderness, into where we are, because we're sinners, because we're broken, because we need a Savior. That's the good news of the gospel, that Jesus would leave heaven and come to earth for us. And John or Mark recognizes that through this beginning of the book to say that this is where Jesus is coming to. He's coming to these things, to, to, to be the good news of the gospel, to be the Son of God, to accomplish only the things that the Son of God can accomplish. We see the Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled in John, but also in Jesus as the one who is coming, that John would prepare the way of the Lord, making his path straight, that, that there was someone greater than him to come. And you go back and again, read through the Old Testament of all the times, um, but, but Jesus, this person, is the one who lines up with all the scriptures. And you're going to see throughout the book that he fulfills prophecy after prophecy of the one who would come because he is Jesus, God's son, the Messiah, the sent one. John proclaims who Jesus is. We already talked about this a little bit 
Uh, but, but he does. He says, it's not me, but there's one greater than me. And his power is not the power that I have. I'm just washing you with water. I'm baptizing you in water. It's just a symbol of this. But, but Jesus is going to do a work in the life and the heart of a believer, something on the inside. His baptism uh, in, in the water is not going to bring the Holy Spirit in your life. It's the salvation that Jesus brings that, that you identify your life with him and the Spirit of God comes into your life and becomes a part of who you are. And that's what he's talking about here, this language in verse 8. And so John is proclaiming Jesus. He's doing his job. He's preaching forgiveness of sins. He's preaching a, a gospel message so that they would come. The Holy Spirit, we see in, in the, the baptism, that the Holy Spirit uh, proclaims who Jesus is, that God himself, the Father, proclaimed. Listen in verse 9. It says, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And we came up out of the water immediately. He saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. All of those things are happening because he is Jesus. Because he is Jesus. That's a baptism like no one else has ever experienced. The Spirit of God. The heavens tear open. That's a, that's, that's a big word. That it, it rips apart. And the Spirit of God ascends upon Jesus unlike any other because he is God's Son. And then the voice of God proclaims that, that you are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And there's so much in that. His beloved Son this is God's son that he sent to earth to accomplish these things whom he loves and whom he is pleased because we know that Jesus Christ is going to satisfy all that God requires. He is pleased to look upon him as being the one. As being the one. God's not pleased in us. He's pleased when we come to know him through Jesus Christ, when we accept what his son has done. That's when he's pleased is because we accept Jesus. We can't earn God's, we can't earn his, his happiness. We can't earn his um, reward. We can't, we can't do anything to just have God look upon us and be like, I'm so pleased with them without Jesus. Jesus is the one that accomplishes those things for us. And so it's so important. And he says, here, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. It speaks again of his divinity, of his deity, of who he is as Jesus. We even see that the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels ministering to him. Even, even that work right there is a proclamation of who Jesus is. As Satan would take him into a wilderness to tempt him for 40 days, to go through the hardship that he's going through. You know, Jesus did that for us so he can identify with us as a Savior, that he, he came into the wilderness, he came into our world, that he would exist in our way, that he would veil his, his deity for humanity, and he would suffer the things that we suffer, and he would go through the temptation. And Satan would, would see that this is God's Son, and he would, he would be trying to destroy the work of God before it gets started. And the angels minister him. 
All of these things are proclaiming that this is God's Son. The one who will accomplish what God has sent him to accomplish. And that's the salvation of mankind. That's for you and I, sin debt to be paid. Uh, today, I, I, I wanted us to, to see this in, in this passage in the scripture. As, it, as it, it just begins to set the tone for the rest of the book. Let's be excited about Jesus. Let's, let's be excited. I mean, we talk about him, and I'll preach him every day I'm up here because he's the one that makes the difference. Because it is the Son of God who accomplishes things that no one else can accomplish. It is the power of God. It's not anything that I can do or that you can do, but we have to rest in what God is doing in his kingdom work. And Mark says from the very beginning, it's not about anything else but about Jesus. It's about Jesus and his purpose and his plan as the Son of God is coming to fulfill the Father's will to accomplish his purposes. And we're going to see it for the rest of the book that he is God's Son and he's going to do miracles and he's going to love people in ways that, that we can only hope to be loving like him. And he's going to, he's going to come into people's lives in, 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 amazing, in, in just in amazing ways and we're going to see the character of God and the love of God and the grace of God and all these things. And in the first eight chapters, it's just about celebrating who Jesus is and, and that he is God's son. And in the last eight chapters, it's about walking, seeing him walk to the cross. It's about seeing him being, coming to the point where he's going to lay down his life and all that he's going to go through for you and I and to see as he accomplishes and fulfills the purposes of God. This is Jesus. And this is what the book of Mark is about. And so I want us to, to just, in, as Margaret, as you come, as, as, as a conclusion of this sermon, I want us to see that, that we as a church need to proclaim Jesus. We need to see every opportunity to proclaim the God of Scripture. That we don't, have to, we don't have to do anything crazy. We don't even have to put it, for us, crazy might be putting a camel hair coat on a leather belt and eating honey and, and locusts and things and, and calling out that we don't have to do these things. We just have to proclaim the gospel and let the work of God be the work of God. Let the power of God do what God has promised. Let's be a people who proclaim Jesus. Let's be a people who, who are a part of that. Um, let's be a people who respond to Jesus. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but we need to be people who are continually responding to the gospel. It makes a difference for us every day. We only respond once in salvation, but that's just the beginning of the relationship. That's just the beginning. God's calling us to respond daily to Him, to come to Him, to know Him, to grow in Him. Let's keep the main thing the main thing and focus on Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for just the reminders that you are proclaimed from Genesis to Revelation, that you are the God of Scripture, that your plan was to send Jesus to save us, to glorify your name. Lord, I pray that, that we would be a people that just surrender to that, Lord, that, that we would see ourselves as, as, as Judea and as Jerusalem, as those who are confessing their sins and repenting of their sins, Lord, and turning away 
from our sinfulness and turning to you, Jesus. Let us see you as the Son of God who accomplishes all things who accomplishes salvation through laying his life down, living this perfect life, but laying it down at the cross. Lord, I pray that we be a people who just surrender to you today. Father, just that, that we would hear your message, Lord, that we would allow it to change us. We pray this in, in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.